A daily digest of the who, what, and why of Waterloo Region. Welcome to Kitchener Today on City News 570. I can't. I can't do the show. I, I. What? My spirit has been crushed. Polly. I can't do it. Is it because you haven't had a green beer yet? No, no. no listen, for for. Welcome to Kitchener today, on City News Five Seventy. Producer Polly, in with you today. For those of you who missed the last half hour on the far west. Oh show, come on, Polly. He, he was I thought we were this, just getting into a nice place again. He was doing this hypothetical situation. Your buddy gives you fifty bucks. You spend it at the casino, it turns into $100,000. I said to him, I, and the options presented, I was like one of the only ones who said, at least I give him 1000 You, You two and a majority of the listening audience said, oh, I'll give him 50 bucks. His original well, yeah. investment. That's what they gave. If I give somebody 50 bucks and then they want a bunch of money, I wouldn't expect them to give me more than my 50 bucks back. I know you wouldn't back. expect it, but it's the right thing to give him... It, Give him a thousand. You want a hundred thousand for crying out loud? Yeah, but you know Nobody, you can't do a lot with a thousand, hundred thousand these days. Well, you can do even less with the fifty bucks. You just, <laughs> I, I, I can't Listen, do this. Your buddy must have some kind of you know decent amount of money if they're just giving fifty dollars out. Maybe, but any, I'm very. My spirit has been crushed by humanity. Oh look. Riddle Star left his Snapple in the studio. Oh, no. I yeah, wasn't going to so, mention that. Uh, well, there it is. Brittle Star, no, come pick up come pick up your Snapple <laughs> the next time you're here. He did a great job yesterday. He did great, yeah. Yeah, he was great. I'm looking forward to hearing more of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, and also, my, my day has been... I, March Madness begins today. Mm-hmm. I forgot to fill out my, my bracket. The deadline was noon. Mm-hmm. So I this is my first time actually take like uh, competing. Mm-hmm. What, what would be the per- pro- proper uh, word there? Yeah, I guess for lack competing, of a better word, competing. Yeah, competing, taking part mm-hmm. in it, whatever. Yeah, and I was just picking random teams. So a lot of people do that. A lot of people pick their favorite color, you know, or you can just look oh, at the rankings. I didn't even think all, of that. All the teams are ranked ahead of time, mm-hmm. so you kind of get an idea for how things are supposed. It's, it's so exciting. March mm-hmm. Madness, right? Because you lose one game and you're out. Really? And so, yeah, that's how it works. That's why it's March Madness. It's not like a, a five game series wow, or something like you would okay. see in baseball. There's, I think they start with, is it 64 teams? Maybe. Anyway, yeah, you lose one game and you're out. Wow. And so that's why it's madness. So the, the two teams you have in the final have not lost a game. And so it's, wow. yeah, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, okay, I, I want to tell you what's on the show today, but I, I something I've said is is making the phones go crazy. Let's let's go to the phones. Joe, what do you have to say? Hello, Joe. Uh, hundred thousand win. Yeah. I you know I look at it this way. There's a difference between what's fair and what's kind. If I want if I want a hundred thousand dollars or fifty dollars that someone lent me. 
I'd give them $10,000 for sure. That was my original answer, but that's yeah. not one of the options was that was presented. So because I went with 1000 yeah, yeah, because they could do so much with that. You know, like everybody has, has bills to pay, you know, and everything mm-hmm. else. And I think it would be a... You know, a hand up for the guy, too, you know? So that's what I do, Paul. Great. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go down this road again. You brought it up. Solid point. (laughs) Coming up on the show today at 2.30, we're going to be joined by uh, Mary Chevreau and Janice. uh, Is it Colsey? Well, anyway. um, At the Kitchener Public Library, you can now rent or sign out vinyl records. That's so cool. That's kind of a neat idea, so we're Mm going to find out more about that. At 2 o'clock, what you eat matters. How your eating rhythms impact your mental health. Of course, not just your physical health. Mm -hmm. People think about that when they're eating. Uh, Your mental health. And so, Elena Koning, uh, who's a PhD student at the Center of Neuroscience and Studies at Queen's University, will be joining us to talk about that. At one thirty every day every day at one thirty this week, I want to kind of lighten things up. So start thinking about this. Remember, many of us in elementary school, we gave these speeches mm-hmm. to practice our public speaking skills. I know in my school, grades four through eight, we had to give a, I don't know, was a two-minute speech or whatever. What were your speeches about? And why did you choose the topic? So I'm curious, because Tuesday was International Speech Day. We mentioned it on the show. So what was your elementary school speech about? I'm, I'm curious to, to find that out. So that's coming up at 1.30. At 1 o'clock, uh, why Vladimir Putin is botching his Ukrainian invasion. I, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who suggested Vladimir Putin thought this was only going to take three or four days, and here we are now. Is this day 22 of the invasion? Oh, surprise, surprise, the Ukrainians aren't that hot on somebody just walking into their country and taking it over. Who would have thunk? So that's happening. <laughs> that's happening at 1 and at 12.30. Howland Jallet, regional counselor in Cambridge, will be here. And uh, the region staying in lockstep with the province and will be removing the mask mandate as of Monday. Let's go to the phones here for a moment. Terry, go ahead. Hey, Paulie. Uh, listen, I know you were talking about your NC. CAA tournament yeah. bracket. Who do you, who do you have to win it all? I don't even know who's favored. I, I'm going to say Duke because I don't know. They're usually pretty good, but I, I haven't even looked at the rankings, Terry. I've been too busy. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean puke? Listen, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, I, I don't like that team. Listen, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Duke is number two in their in their region. Uh, I, I I thought you were going to say Gonzaga because this is probably the best team to never mm-hmm. win anything. Last mm-hmm. year they went to the final and they lost to Baylor, but yeah. uh, I think they might be the, the one this year. I uh, I'd be very surprised if they didn't get to at least the final. But uh, yeah, I, I see that would be my. I don't play the bracket, but I was just curious to know who you would have. But that, mm-hmm. that's who my pick would be: would be Gonzaga. 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 Okay, that, thanks, that's uh, what mine uh, was. Gonzaga? That's what I picked, yeah. You picked Gonzaga to win yeah. the whole thing? You, yeah. you got you to gotta like that name, too, eh? Gonzaga. Oh, I couldn't anyway. even say it until you said it, so I'm glad <laughs> you just told me. Thanks, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, of course, every day is a day. Mm-hmm. Of course, March 17th, we all know that today it's is... Christmas Day. No, no, of course. It's all St. Patrick's Day, so let's celebrate with some Irish music. Yeah! 
This isn't your traditional Irish music. You two, they're from Dublin. They're from Dublin, Ireland. The home of St. Patrick's Day. This is Irish music as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. That's my kind of Irish music. Irish music. What is Irish about this? Music with the with the bagpipes and the the flutes. It all sounds the same. Oh, somebody's going to be calling me on that. So yeah, no. Now here's the thing. So obviously today is St. Patrick's Day. So I'm looking around to what other day it is. Mm -hmm. St. Patrick's Day is so dominant Mm -hmm. that nothing else has been assigned today. Wow. That's it. Not a single thing. It's not like wear two different colored sock day. No, maybe that's tomorrow and we'll find out tomorrow. But yeah, St. Patrick's Day rules the roost. Nobody dare put National Cupcake Day on on March 17th <laughs> because we all know what day it is. So this, we weren't here yesterday. Brill mm-hmm. Star was in, as I said, did a, a really good job. So just a couple of things that we missed yesterday. Yesterday was National Panda Day. Oh, yes. okay. Giant pandas are big, fluffy, and uh, full of fun. And one of the most universally loved animals around. No, mm-hmm. It's no wonder that they have their own special day. Now this... Yeah, as one of the commercials that we have running, pandas are adorable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually, I mean, they're, they are a bear. Yeah. So they're not completely harmless. Even though they look harmless, pandas can be dangerous to humans. Pandas have powerful jaws and claws, and they are much stronger than most men, although pandas rarely attack humans. When incidents occur, they are usually severe. So pandas, pretty safe, but... They're not all cute and cuddly like some people think they are. Wow. Uh, Yesterday also was National No Selfies Day. (laughs) Yeah. Good Uh luck getting people to comply with that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. And then it was also National Freedom of Information Day. Yesterday, Freedom of Information Day is dedicated to the very concept with the Freedom of Information Act being enacted on July 4th, 1966. And coming into effect a year from that day to declare that every person has the right to get information to federal agency to uh, get information from to federal agency records that are not protected by one of nine exemptions or special law enforcement record inclusions. Ed, want to go to the phones here? Yeah, sure. And then sure. we'll Why do not? our little question of the day. Let's see what Aaron has going on. Aaron, what's happening? Hey, Polly. I just wanted to mention that I liked your pick for Irish music. All right, good. And, and if anybody complains, as long as you're river dancing to whatever you play, Polly, <laughs> then you're good to go. That's good. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> oh, I would love to see Polly River No. Dance. Doesn't that involve wooden clogs? Or is no. that a different? What is, what is river dancing then? Is, isn't kind of like clog dance? Is it? No, what is river? Brittany is so in hysterics, she can't even answer my question. What is river dancing? I've heard of it. it I don't I see. I'm going to. I thought it involved clogs. I know it doesn't involve dancing on a river because that's physically impossible. So, oh, my goodness. What is river dancing? I don't know the exact things, but it has nothing to do with clogs. All right. Maybe I'm confusing a number of different cultures. Okay. So. As we do whenever I'm filling in, it's our question of the day, our not-so-impossible 
question it. Of course, the phone numbers, as always, are 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570, hands-free, no prize, just bragging rights mm-hmm. to whatever question Brittany has come up with. So what do we have today? All right. I want to say, too, that I do have three questions. Polly, should we get through the yeah. first one? Because I got a lot of sass from you <laughs> when I only showed up with one question. Well, you, you got to have backup, right? You got to have something to go to in the event that you need five minutes to fill. All right. Well, right. So hopefully we won't need the backup questions, but you never know. All right. Today's question, 55% of people have no idea how to change this on their car. What is it? 55% of people have no idea how to change this on, on their, their car. car. 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570, hands free. Let's take a break. Come back with your answers on Kitchener Today on City News 570. It is our not-so-impossible question, although I don't know how impossible, because I just made three guesses to Brittany off the air. All three were incorrect. All right, Brittany, what is the not-so-impossible question? 55% of people have no idea how to change this on their car. All right. To the phones. Desi, do you know the answer? Is it your windshield wipers? It is. What? The first (laughs) guess? (laughs) Oh. All right. Desi, thank you very much. (laughs) I I, I was going to guess oil. Mm -hmm. I was going to guess tires. Mm -hmm. And what was the third thing? I I can't even remember my own guesses. Yep. But if you're on the line still, hang on. on We've got more questions. If you're on the line, hold on, because we have another one we're going to ask. And... We'll see what happens. All right. So, all right. Did you got these wow. back? Wow. <laughs> okay. I wasn't expecting it to go that quick. I knew it was kind of easy, but mm-hmm. all right. Next one. Twenty-five percent of frequent air travelers say this is their biggest complaint on an airplane. All right. Twenty-five percent of air travelers say this is their biggest complaint on an airplane. Of course, our numbers, as always, five one nine five seventy twenty-five forty-five. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715 and star 570 hands-free. So that's our new question. Mm -hmm. What is it again? 25% of frequent air travelers say this is their biggest complaint on an airplane. All right. To the phones. Rush. Hi guys, uh, I'll just share my guess with the first for the first question before I give you on the second. Right. I was going to say because I struggled with it very recently myself. I was going to guess changing the clock. On the oh, clock. that's uh, that would yeah, have been a timely, that's so to speak, guess. buried in the in the settings. You know, and we had to do it for the daylight savings thing. In my um, car, it, I just have to go into the settings and either click or unclick daylight savings, and what? the clock just moves an hour. Oh, you got a fancy car, yeah. Calling. Anyway, yeah, that's that's nice. I've got a bedside clock that has a, a toggle on it that right. goes forward one hour and back one hour. Makes it easy. My nice. car wasn't wasn't simple though. Uh, for the airplane, I'm going to guess uh, armrest management. Um, I, I haven't flown in a while, but that mm-hmm. was always my thing. Was was uh, armrest? Who gets the armrest? Uh, yep, that's right. Is that it, Brittany? That's not it. That's not good guess, it. but not it. Okay. <laughs> so, are quite twenty five percent of air travelers? Say this is their biggest complaint on an airplane. All right. 
Carol, do you have a guess? I'm going to guess the width of the aisle. The width no, of but the they, aisle. they definitely should increase yeah, that a little those, bit. Those those <laughs> aisles are just wide enough for the food cart to slip on through. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And if you have to go to the washroom while they're serving the drinks, you're out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> you can't squeeze by. So yeah, 25% of air travelers say this is their biggest complaint while traveling. 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570. Lorraine, do you know the answer? I think it might be roominess, like foot room space. Foot room? Good guess, but no. No foot room. No, I think that it would that would be more higher up. This is only 25% of people dislike this it, it, while they're, when they're on an airplane. My wife and I had just booked a flight coming up, and we booked the first row of seats, like oh, right in nice. front of the wall. Yep. And apparently so extra there's, room. there's a little more leg room there. I, we've, I've never sat there, but I'm always jealous of the people who are. <laughs> so we were able to snag, snag two of those seats. <laughs> so, yes, 25% of people say, well, what's the wording? Let's get the exact wording from Brittany again. 25% of frequent air travelers say this is their biggest complaint on an airplane. I wonder if frequent has anything to do. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know the answer. I'm finding out along with everybody else. Mark, do you know the answer? I'll take a guess too, uh, Polly and Britt. Um, I'm going to guess uh, a passenger beside you is wearing too much cologne. Or not enough cologne. <laughs> <laughs> right? The stinkiness yeah, maybe, of the people maybe. next to you. Is that it? No, it's not it. No. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. We have just a couple of more minutes left. 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570. Once again, Brittany? 25% of frequent air travelers say this is their biggest complaint on an airplane. Biggest complaint. Hmm. The wording's getting to me here. I think I'm overthinking <laughs> this. Joe, do you know the answer? I'm going to go out on a limb here, uh, guys. Uh, I think it's uh, when you have a passenger next to you. A stranger that you don't know mm. when they talk too much. Oh, oh good guess, but Brittany, no, no, that's not it. Yeah, that I, I can see that. I just want to put on my headphones and just you know relax. See, I'm probably the one that's next to the people that's talking too much. So, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Although once on a trip to Vegas, I was I, I got I, I sat next to this uh, like 23 year old university student and we talked all the way down there it was, oh, yeah. it was, it was really interesting nice yeah. all right let's uh, let's do one more and uh, see if we can find this out kelly do you know the answer i do i do it's either crying babies or the guy that sits beside you and he falls asleep and he's got this nose whistle <laughs> this sounds like you have personal experience <laughs> is that true Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Nose whistling or crying babies? No, neither, neither. No, is it? Hey, is it when the person you have the window seat and the person on the end of the aisle is falling asleep and you need to get up and go to the washroom and you're guilty about? <laughs> no, you don't want to wake them up. Okay, what's the answer? All right, the answer: twenty five percent of air travelers say that the clapping when you land is their biggest complaint. What? Really? I only ever have that happen when we land in Vegas. Everybody's happy that they're finally in Vegas and everybody claps. And I'm one of them. I'm sorry. 
Uh, to the 25% of people, you hate me because I'm the, I'm the guy who claps when the plane lands, especially when I'm landing in Vegas. We got news coming up with uh, Aaron Anderson, and then after that, uh, Regional Council has stayed in lockstep with the province. The mask mandate here in the region has been repealed effective this coming Monday. We'll be talking about that. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. So I got that wrong. That was Brittany Ramsey doing the news. I saw Aaron in the building earlier, so I was confused. You know, I never assume. I had a boss who told me once, never assume because it makes an A out of you and me. So that's what I just did. Regional Council last night voted to repeal the mandatory mask bylaw relating to enclosed public spaces effective this coming Monday. This mask mandate, of course, has been in place here in the region since July 2020. And the the province, a couple of weeks ago now, I think it was announced that this coming Monday, the mask mandate would be lifted. And so our regional council voted yesterday to stay in lockstep with that provincial decision. Joining us now to discuss last night's, I think it was last night's council meeting, is Helen Jowett, regional councillor for Cambridge. Helen, was that, was that last night or the night before? That was last evening. Okay, good. I got that one right. Okay, I, I, yesterday they, they were teeing it up. This was a decision that was uh, pretty much uh, anticipated. Was this an easy decision for council? Well, I, I'd say yes and no. I mean, science has been guiding us all the way along. Um, by the way, hi, producer Polly. Nice oh, hi. That. I don't know if we've ever. Ch- I don't know if we've had. A I don't think so. That. No. <laughs> well, it's nice to finally chat with you, and happy St. Patty's Day to you and to you. Thank you. And so, yeah, it, it, I, I think if um, political decisions were easy, we wouldn't be needed, right? So, yeah, I do think there's usually uh, some some level of uh, dilemma at the, at the source of some of our decisions. And certainly now it's about choice, you know, and we're highly empathetic to all tolerance level, you know, uh, from a health perspective, that's physically and mentally. You've seen all kinds of different reactions uh, to masks uh, for this last couple of years. And so I think what is an imperative here is grace and kindness and recognizing that one person might be out there wearing two masks and you might decide you don't want a mask at all. You know, uh, people's risk levels are different. We are saying there are still cases out there. You know, there are still high risk, um, uh, high risk environments. So we are asking that people just exercise good judgment. Now, for now, the uh, the mask mandate locally here is still going to remain in place for public transit in a couple of other places. So why why were those exceptions made? Uh, well, because those are high-risk places, like the, the province as well as our uh, science partners in the province and uh, municipally and public health have all sort of had, um, you know, inputs as to where, where were most cases, uh, you know, where were we seeing most cases in community spread happening. And so that sort of created it. So it's been a work in progress. This pandemic has taught us a great deal, you know, um, and I encourage people to keep an eye on our dashboard. And also, you know, there's some fear out there. They're saying, well, how are you monitoring if we don't have the testing capacity? Well, 
Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Polly, but right at the very beginning, we started to see trends demonstrating there were warning signals in our wastewater. Mm -hmm. And so we continue to monitor that, and it's been a very good indicator of of peaks forthcoming. So... Yeah, I was, because I've seen in the news lately uh, a a lot of talk about, you know, the monitoring of wastewater as a determiner for, uh, you know, how the virus is spreading. Is this a new thing or has has, has this been going on since the beginning of the pandemic? It's an interesting thing. Uh, It is interesting. You're right. I I found it completely interesting. This happened right at the beginning. These these, uh, indicators, I mean, we watched wastewater quite closely in Waterloo Region. Certainly a million people drink from our Grand River, as you well know, Polly. So we, we've always been very uh, very astute at watching our wastewater. So I can tell you that, yeah, it was it was found early on and we kept watching the patterns and it was a very strong indicator as to peaks and valleys. Uh, it, it hits the wastewater before it actually gets the community spread. So, yeah, it is. It's really interesting. That's very, yeah, that's, that, that's an interesting indicator. Um, yeah. Now, of course, and you, you touched on this a moment ago. Of course, people can still choose to wear masks if they want. But I, I know that uh, Karen Redman wanted to make sure that we all remain respectful of each other's decisions going forward starting Monday. Absolutely. That, that is critical in all this because there are, there are still different risk levels. We still have autoimmune risk for some folks in our community. And of course, you know, some businesses are going to have different policies. And so we, we have to be respectful that you're, we're getting choice. I mean, remember, Polly, I, I don't know if you recall when we put this mask by law in place, it was agonizing. We mm-hmm. were at it for hours, hours. Yeah, it was, that was a long council meeting. I, I was actually just reading back this morning at yeah. uh, when the mask mandate was instituted, and the, one of the articles I was reading said it was a long, it was a long um, meeting. I guess was there a lot of debate at that point whether or not to bring in a, a mask mandate? Yes, there there was because I mean at the time there were many uh, variables that had an impact on that decision. We had lots of delegations who had lots of different pieces of information. I mean, you remember that masks were a little bit scarce at the time, so that was a that was a, a potential challenge to to how we were going to do this, and uh, and then certainly you know. Um, looking at uh, managing the bylaw itself. So I'm, I'm encouraged that we did make the right decision. And I'm also encouraged that two years is a long time to take choice uh, from people. And so, you know, and, and, and of course, some people are going to see that, that their choice may have been uh, somewhat compromised. So that's one of the reasons why we're really trying to get the messaging out there. And of course, uh, you, you iterated that Chair Redmond's messages and, and they're spot on. That's how she's representing council telling you that that is how we feel. We want kindness and grace and, and acute consideration for the different tolerance levels of risk for different folks, uh, while we're going out and about. Uh, trying to um, recapture our lives before COVID. Now, our chief medical officer of health, uh, Shuli Wong, uh, suggested the other day that she would still recommend masks in certain settings, referring to an elevated risk. What are those settings? Well, uh, crowds, uh, indoors, with multi- with many people. Um, um, you know, so high-risk settings would be anything where there's, you know, density of population, duration of population, um, you know. So so she, I mean, what a superstar she's been through this whole thing. I, I cannot believe that um, she's been at it front and center every day of this uh, pandemic. And, uh, and she's actually, uh, you know, 
somebody that uh, I would certainly follow her lead on any of this. She does her homework and she, she guided us through some real difficult and navigated some real difficult choices uh, and, and helped us understand. Because again, we don't come in there as uh, technical experts, right? So uh, we have to rely on, uh, you know, the things we don't uh, recognize that we, we recognize our, our skills that we bring to the table. And certainly this was a science science decision we got 90 almost 89.7 percent of our residents 12 and over are fully vaccinated and then we've got 88.7 residents five and over have at least one dose so you know we feel like after asking people to cooperate with all of these uh, restrictions it's, it's now time to to uh to have our faith in humanity you know and our community to look out for one another I'm assuming, obviously, I think we're all hoping not, but I'm assuming there may be, depending on future variants, this mask mandate may have to come back at some point, but obviously we're hoping not, right? We're hoping not, you're right, Polly, but but it could because, you know, that wastewater is a good indicator. We're keeping an eye on it. We're still testing. We're still monitoring cases, and I invite people to continue to look at our dashboard because it was a work in progress, and I think it's amazing how it's evolved into such a, a super superior information source for our constituents. It might be too much information for some, and it might be just enough for others, but there's there's a lot of information to glean there to sort of make good educated decisions. Yeah, we might have to call it back in into uh, consideration. You know, we just don't know, uh, but we are hoping, just like you, Polly, that we don't have to do that. Helen, thanks very much for your time today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, Polly. Thank you. Helen Jallett, uh, regional counselor for Cambridge, joining us to discuss the uh, the regional council decision to repeal the mask bylaw. And that official vote happened last night. It was a unanimous vote. And the region staying in lockstep with the provincial decision that was made last Week. I'm curious how you're feeling heading into Monday. Are you excited to take a, yet another step to things getting back to normal, or are you a little bit cautious? How do you feel going into Monday? 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570, hands free. How are you feeling now that the mask bylaw here in Waterloo Region and most of Ontario, I would assume, maybe there are some regional councils, some city councils that maybe have decided to extend things a little bit longer. But certainly through most of Ontario, the mask bylaw will be gone as of Monday. So are you feeling excited? Are you feeling nervous? And another question maybe to throw into here is because, of course, we, we, we've been hearing this week that there are many who are asking that the school boards continue the mask mandate after March break for at least another few weeks, just as a, as a precaution, you know, you're not, you're, we're not sure how things are going to go once some of the masks are coming off. And I know, I don't know the inner details of the way the education system works, but I know for, for whatever reason, local school boards are not allowed to make their own individual decisions. It's all dictated by the province and school boards have to adhere to whatever the provincial mask bylaw is. I mean, it, it's, I don't know how easy it would be to change that because individual businesses certainly are free uh, 
to continue asking their customers to wear a mask. Here at Rogers, uh, we are continuing the mask bylaw, at least here in this office. I don't know if you go into a, you know, a Rogers cell store or whatever, whether it extends to that. But here at the office, we're continuing the mask for at least another few weeks. Just, you know, we're being a little bit cautious. So how do you feel heading into Monday? Are you excited or are you a little bit nervous? Are you going to keep the mask on? What do you think? 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570, hands free. Lorraine, what do you think? I'm saying that um, I will t- still... Uh wear the mask sometimes. I have allergies and I sniffle and sneeze mm-hmm. and have a runny nose and stuffed up. So I will ma- I will wear it sometimes, but I will feel free to take it off if I'm feeling I'm not going to do all that. Right. But I won't wear it outside. I don't wear it outside anyway. I think yeah, I never have either. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, you're outside. Yeah. Especially in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, actually, you know, a couple of times I have worn it outside in the winter because it actually helps keep me warm a little bit. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to things opening up, and I'm not going to be paranoid about it, but um, I, because I feel the fresh air is outside is good, and I, we're, we're okay. I think we've built up immunity, and I think we're going to be all right. It's just sort of be with us, and we'll learn how to get our shots and come yearly or whatever. And I think that's all we can ask for at this yep. point. Yeah. Thanks, Lorraine. Yeah, I... I, I I am looking forward to taking the mask off. However, I will always, at least for the next little bit, have one on me because I, I do respect if there's you know an individual business who still wants to wear masks, I I will respect that decision, and I and I hope that we all can as well. That's that's one thing that worries me a little bit heading into Monday because it, 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 whatever side of the mask debate you're on. I'm a little bit worried that we're going to see, you know, some more, you know, arguments in, in, in stores or whatever, people yelling at people for not wearing a mask or vice versa. And all I ask heading into next week is let, let's respect each other's individual decisions. If people want to wear a mask, that's great. If they don't want to wear a mask, that's fine, too. So that's my that's my main concern. Joe, how do you feel about Monday? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Sick of the masks. I'm not really uh, confident that they, the the effectiveness of the masks. So, but, you know, let's throw a number out there. For instance, let's say, let's just say, for in- argument's sake, fifty percent of the people are wearing cloth masks that don't fit properly. Mm-hmm. So they're really doing nothing to begin with. And then the other uh, some percentage of people don't fit them properly or they don't wash them or they don't change them you know it's begs the question you know how effective is this thing to begin with mm-hmm. it, different masks have different effectiveness rates I, I, the n95s we all know are are the best one but i know there have been some studies out there to suggest that the cloth masks aren't nearly as effective as some people think they are. I, I don't doubt that wearing a cloth mask is better than not wearing a mask, but certainly the N95s are the best ones, but not everybody is wearing the N95. Most people, including myself, are still wearing the cloth masks. John, how do you feel about Monday? 
Um, I was excited about it until uh, my couple people in my family just got COVID. Mm-hmm. And so I go on. So we went to a funeral on Friday. I mean, nobody in my family has been sick for the entire entirety of COVID. And we got a little bit lax with the mask in the reception area because it was only the funeral group of about 30 or 40 people. Mm-hmm. And nobody else was in that room. So people basically were not wearing masks. And half of that group now has got COVID, including two of my family members. And we're all triple vaxxed. And so I'm sitting here going, you know, I may be more of a believer in the mask now than the triple vax because mm. it was the first time we took our mask off in that kind of a setting in over two years. And boom, here we are. Two of them, two out of three people have COVID. Like, was, was this locally, John? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So we were at a private event. Oh, it was a private a, event. A okay, that's where I was going with this. Yeah. No, it was a private event for the, so the, at, at the funeral home, everybody had to wear their masks and, and we wore them in the, uh, at the uh, cemetery. And then there was a private club that we went to and we had a whole room to ourselves and um, nobody said anything. So I think people got a little bit lax and said, okay, well, we're all in this room together and the masks are coming off in a week or so anyway. Mm-hmm. So it got really kind of, people got lax and the day after, boom, you know, started getting, did you, are you okay? Are you okay? And, and half that group now got COVID. Hmm. And they were all, everybody there was triple vaxxed. And I haven't gotten it, and I'm sitting in my house with my, my yeah. family. I'm triple vaxxed, but my daughter and my wife both have it now. Hmm. That, that's an interesting story, John. Yeah, it, it, we'll find out what happens come Monday, what the numbers look like. I mean, maybe that was a coincidence. Who knows? I don't know. Alex, go ahead. Uh, yeah, if, if people still want to wear their masks, I, I think they're silly, but if they want to wear them, it's no... No bother to me, so I'm not going to bother with it. Um, very few people ever bothered me for not wearing masks. Oh. Uh, but, I mean, uh, I, I know a fair bit about masks from, mm-hmm. from uh, some of the work I do, and I knew right from the get-go that the, these cloth masks were, were next to useless. Uh, the N95s give you some protection, but not a lot, because mm-hmm. the, the virus is smaller than the filter. And I mean, it's, it, you know, it's like uh, putting up a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes from your yard. Yeah, I, I've heard that analogy before, but th- th- doesn't the virus kind of also travel in molecules, which, which or water droplets, which are larger than the yeah. virus itself? I know, but your 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 breath is not, you know, very few people breathe out spittle, mm-hmm. right? The droplets, it's, it doesn't happen when you breathe. I mean, it's it's a it's a moist air, and it's in the moist air supposedly. Right. Uh, but that listen, they got that wrong. They, the, the, there's studies, lots of studies coming out now that the lockdowns were wrong. They did nothing. Uh, they got everything pretty much wrong about this. Um, from the get-go, they, they, they destroyed people's lives. They made things worse. Um, I mean, personally, uh, one of my uh, dearest friends uh, uh, died alone in a, in a, in a home. Um, he used to beg me to come see him. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Yeah, uh, there's they did so much harm these people, mm-hmm. and they're and I'll tell you something. There's a lot of us out here. We will not forget that. Yeah, and we will not forgive that. Uh, and these people are going to skate away like like they did everything right, and it'll be as the studies come out and prove that they were completely wrong, and then they're going to go, "Oops, no, 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 you destroyed lives," and yeah. and if it comes out that you even had an inkling that what you were doing was wrong then you should be punished. Yeah, thanks for the call, Alex. Yeah, there were some concerns about that at the beginning of the pandemic, that okay, you lock everything down, but, but maybe there's a missed cancer screening or something. It, it, so there, there were some trade-offs, and it, unfortunately, it'll be years before we know 
you know, maybe the real results of locking everything down for a year. We're going to take a break. How are you feeling heading into Monday? This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. All right, we have three minutes left and three callers on the line. So let's do a lightning round of callers here. Dave, how are you feeling for Monday? I'm feeling good for Monday. I, I feel like uh, all of the tides have changed. Remember uh, the anti-maskers parading around? Now, I read somewhere that there's some high school students that are going to walk out of school to, on Monday because they don't want the mask ban lifted, mm-hmm. all the tides have changed, eh? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, just the, the school board thing is interesting, right? I, I think the school board should be able to make their own individual decisions if they so do want to do that. Manny, uh, sorry, uh, Lorraine, go ahead. Yes, I just quickly want to mention about the cloth masks. Mm-hmm. Um, that They were used years back by doctors and nurses in the operating rooms, and I don't know if they're infection control rate, the differences between then and now, but of course there's been a lot of um, uh, immunizations available now, um, HPV information, hepatitis and um, flu shots and pneumonia shots and all that, so I think, you know, following the latest science and doing all that is good. Right. Thanks, Lorraine. And finally, Manny. Manny, go ahead. How are you feeling for Monday? Uh, fantastic. And I just want to say one thing. It's interesting now how we're all being asked to respect choice when the entire time through COVID, my choice was never respected. Mm-hmm. Mine and many others. Uh, I, I don't care if somebody wears a mask. That's their choice. I'm going to respect it. Forgive me for saying this, but I'm sure, and I'm sure it's a small percentage of people who are going to continue to wear their masks. There's a little bit of psychological projection going on in there where they were so awful to other people that they were calling things like anti-masker and berating them in person about not wearing a mask. Um, They're probably worried a little bit more between the ears about how they're going to be perceived about still wearing one. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We don't care. We just want to move on and respect people's choice. Have a good one, Polly. Thank you, Manny. Yeah, part of me thinks that, you know, it should have been an individual choice the entire time. But it would be interesting coming Monday to see how many people are still wearing masks. My guess is about 20% of people will still be wearing masks. We'll find out. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. Still to come on Kitchener Today this afternoon in uh, in a half an hour, get your dialing fingers ready. We're going to have a little bit of fun talking about those elementary school speeches. Did, did, did you have to do these in elementary school? I did from grades four to eight. I had to give a, a little speech every year about something to practice our public speaking skills. What was your speech about? <laughs> if you can even remember. So that's happening in a half hour right now. We're talking about the invasion of Ukraine and a piece in the conversation titled Why Vladimir Putin is Botching His Ukrainian Invasion. And joining us now is Anton Olenek. He's a professor of sociology, Memorial University of Newfoundland. Anton, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Now, Vladimir Putin thought this invasion, because we talked to a guest a, a couple of weeks ago, and he suggested that 
Vladimir Putin thought this invasion was only going to take three or four days. Do you think Vladimir Putin is surprised that the invasion is taking this long? Well, based on his public uh, statements that he made as recently as yesterday or the uh, the day before yesterday, he continues to insist that everything unfolds as he planned. But it's obviously not true. And he pretend to... uh, that uh, the reality is different from what he expected. And I believe uh, se- uh, several key factors can be outlined. It means factors that he didn't take into account when starting this war. Uh, the first factor is uh, the resolution of Ukrainians this time. It means that they would really stand up and they would uh, really st- uh, fight back. Uh, they did so uh, back in time in 2013-14, but at that time they were not prepared. And uh, a social situation in the country was uh, different. This time, Ukrainians f- decided to, to fight back, and this was clearly unexpected for Vladimir Putin. So this probably was the first and the most important omission. The second omission uh, was the reaction of the Western countries. One more time, we can compare the, rea- the reaction of the Western countries in 2013 when uh, Re- uh, Russia first invaded Ukraine. You know that at that time, Russia annexed Crimea and also uh, um, invaded in eastern part of Ukraine. Uh, Western uh, Western reaction was rather soft at that time. Sanctions were imposed, but they were limited in scope, and they were targeting specific individuals, not sectors. This time, sa- uh, sanctions are much more important, and they're really uh, having effect. Uh, although this effect will be felt a bit later, because it takes time uh, in economic terms uh, to, uh, to to for sanctions to work uh, to work at full scale. So I believe these two emissions is something that was clearly not factored in the decision to invade Ukraine uh, on February 24th. Why did Vladimir Putin think Ukrainians would just accept Russian troops as liberators? Well, that what he uh, here we need to talk about uh, how Russian propaganda works, mm-hmm. and Russian propaganda worked rather efficiently in 2013, because again, uh, first uh, Russian propaganda targeted specific uh, parts of the population of Ukraine uh, in eastern Ukraine that were that were perceptive to this propaganda, and again. Uh, Learning by these errors, Ukrainian government and Ukrainians as a nation, they, uh, they, they well, they, they were much more prepared to counter this propaganda uh, recently. So it means that Russian propaganda didn't work and was not accepted this time. This is, uh, well, the first difference. Second, Ukrainians, they emerged as a nation. You probably know, or maybe uh, not all your audience know, that Ukraine has a rather short history. Mm -hmm. It means Ukraine as a country emerged only in the 1991. And previously to that, Ukraine did not exist as independent country, either before 1917 revolution or even back in time. So it means that uh, statehood emerged, but the uh, building or, or the construction of the nation uh, took time. And uh, again, in 2013, this process started, but did not achieve, did not produce its outcomes. This time, uh, I'm pretty confident as a sociologist that we are observing the birth of a Ukrainian nation. And uh, not only statehood, uh, well, we can uh, we, we can affect that, well, uh, Ukraine is a state, not failed state. 
state, but is a state. But Ukraine is also a nation state. So if Ukraine comes out of this on the other side, do you think you're going to see a, a stronger Ukraine, a more united country? Oh, absolutely. And what is important, uh, and it uh, brings us back to your question about uh, why Russian propaganda work first time, why it doesn't work this time. Uh, well, Russian propaganda has always targeting uh, uh, Russian-speaking population. Again, uh, as, uh, as a piece of background information, in Ukraine, uh, two languages are spoken. Uh, Russian language and Ukrainian language. And uh, usually uh, we consider it, scholars who studied Ukraine, consider it that this country is divided between a Russian-speaking population and Ukrainian-speaking population. This time, this divide, well, I wouldn't say completely disappeared, but it's not a factor. Because if you look at the reaction of Russian-speaking population in the South, some uh, cities are seized by Russia, like Kherson. Uh, Kherson is a city that is populated uh, mostly by Russian speakers. But even those Russian speakers, they're protesting, they're waving Ukrainian flags, and they're letting uh, the Russians know that they're not welcome guests at all. So it means that, again, it's less about language, and more and more, by the way, uh, Russian-speaking Ukrainians, they're switching into Ukrainian these days, again, as a, uh, as a demonstration that uh, they, they, well, they, they are member of the nation. They are neighbor of this nascent nation. So uh, to your question, uh, short answer to your question, definitely. I'm pretty confident that first, Ukraine will, will not disappear out of this ordeal. Ukraine will get out of this ordeal as a stronger nation state. How much longer do you think Russia can keep financing this war? I've heard that these uh, sanctions are having a bit of an impact. Yes. Well, more correctly, it would be to say that uh, sanctions start to have an impact. The, the full impact will be felt a bit later because population is still, uh, well, population saw, for example, that uh, the exchange rate uh, jumped threefold. It means Russian ruble uh, to U.S. ruble. And furthermore, uh, now uh, you cannot convert Russian rubles uh, into, US ruble, uh, into U.S. dollars for the first time since uh, Russian independence in, since 1991. So all these things are seen now. But uh, not so much is felt uh, at the level of everyday life. For example, uh, price level, inflation level, and all of sanctions at all levels, it would take uh, a bit more time. Uh, but uh, your question is more specific. It means for how long uh, they they can carry on. Mm -hmm. I believe everything depends in military term uh, in military terms. If we speak about uh, military terms, uh, it now it becomes more and more obvious that they are not able even uh, to, to 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 sustain the momentum that this. Uh, it means the the, the initial drive that uh, that that was observed. Uh, advances they are almost contained on in all directions, and uh, in purely military terms, Ukrainians are starting even to push a bit, not, not much, but a bit back uh, Russian troops. But in economic terms, it's more difficult question. Why? Because much will, de uh, will be depend on uh, external support. Obviously, Russia cannot get any external support from the West uh, for the reasons that uh, we, we mentioned before. But Russia still look for uh, some support from countries like China. And uh, the position of China uh, will play an important role, will be uh, probably the key factor in answering your question. And uh, as of today, it's 
it's not clear because China is taking a rather ambiguous position and at least this position is not made public at this point. Now, you did some research back in 2008 that suggested that some of the institutional constraints in Russia actually encourage them to take some uh, high risks. Can you summarize that research for us? Yes, uh, because what we did at that time, we attempted to see what actually limits uh, opportunism or freedom. Well, opportunism is, uh, how to say, a negative negative term or a term having negative connotation. Because uh, from the point of view of population, the freedom of office holders is their opportunism. They're expected to serve the population. But anyway, to to what extent their freedom is uh, constrained by various type of constraints, economic, institutional, social constraints. And what we discovered that even compared with the Soviet situation, Currently, there are fewer constraints. Let me give you just one example. Mm-hmm. For example, during the Soviet time, uh, an office holder, uh, well, his terms or her terms uh, as office holders, holder, uh, uh, his term was limited. For example, you cannot stay in office more than two times or three times. Anyway, it depends on the particular situation. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, well, th- th- there is absolutely no restriction. Starting with uh, presidents of universities and finishing with uh, Vladimir Putin as a Russian president, well, they can stay in power as uh, as long as they wish. And uh, again, as we all know, Vladimir Putin recently got extension of his uh, terms. No, uh, now he can stay in power unless uh, this war... Uh, severely affects his position as a uh, national leader national leader leader for another uh, more than 10 years to go so uh, again in the soviet union there were uh, at least some constraints bureaucratic constraints they, they, they were not democratic constraints but they were bureaucratic constraints the same goes for uh, for example uh, institutional constraints uh, such as the easiness with which laws can be or regulations can be changed. It's much more easy to change laws and regulations now than even during the Soviet time. So uh, the list can be continued. But the point is that the background for what we observe today was laid down back in time. So it's a, uh, it's an outcome of the process that started 10, maybe even uh, earlier, uh, years ago. Now, Ukraine is not currently a member of NATO. I think there's been talks about that in the last few years. Is this what Russia is threatened by, to have NATO right at their doorstep? Uh, well, I don't think so. It's certainly one of the factors, and that's the official uh, casus belli. It means the official reason for waging this war. But uh, the uh, reason for hostility is different, uh, is, is deeper, uh, in, in one sense is deeper. Ukraine is uh, different. And uh, for Russia, it's important to demonstrate that uh, they should be like Russia in all terms, in cultural terms, in institutional terms, and uh, also by accepting uh, the rules of the game that are set by Russia. And uh, uh, again, seeing that Ukraine is different in political terms, it's not perfect democracy, everyone knows that, but uh, at least it's not autocracy as Russia is. In institutional terms, again, uh, Ukraine doesn't have that system of power that is built so carefully in Russia right now, and so forth. 
all these factors shall be accounted when we answer uh, your question, what explains or what is the reason for this hostility? Again, uh, certainly NATO is one of these reasons, and this reason was put forward officially. But again, uh, you, you know, at some point, it means when I was uh, just starting my acad academic career, I uh, studied a pr a situation in prisons, prison subculture in Russia. And uh, let me just use the following metaphor. Mm -hmm. To start fighting in, in, in prison, it's sometimes enough that someone steps on your shoelaces. It means, well, you, you look for a pretext. And you can find uh, you can easily find a pretext if you wish. Just someone uh, incidentally push you, or some someone incidentally step on your shoelaces. That's enough. Then uh, okay, I will I, I I will fight with you. And that's from my point of view what, what we observe. Again, it uh, sooner or later it's something that uh, was expected to uh, to, to come. Now, as recently as January of this year, Ukrainian President Vladimir Lozensky was uh, not taking the threat of a Russian invasion seriously. Do you, th do you think he should have been taking it more seriously? Well, uh, first, uh, l let me just, uh, with, with respect, correct. Uh, his name is Zelensky. And uh, Vladimir Zelensky, indeed, uh, he was threatened by uh by, by the Russians saying, if you don't accept our conditions, then uh, you, you will face consequences. And more specifically, uh, you, you, will save, uh, uh, in, uh, you, will, you will face, in their own words, t uh, militarily technical <laughs> measures that we will deploy. Uh, when speaking about threats, the point is that uh, uh, for threats to be efficient, the person or uh, the party who is making them who is making threats, needs to take into consideration the situation of the person who is subject to these threats. It means uh, how these threats are perceived, what are options, what are uh, p potential strategies of, uh, of the person uh, that's, uh, th that is threatened. And from my point of view, exactly this was omitted, because uh, President Zelensky has been uh, looking uh, for an opportunity to meet with uh, President Putin probably uh, since the first day in his office. But it was denied because uh, uh, President Putin has never met in person President Zelensky. He had no idea what is this person. And uh, certainly he underestimated his resolution. And not only he, uh, honestly, even observers who have some knowledge of Ukrainian politics, they, 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 they were not expecting that President Zelensky would be so resolute and so ready to stand on his ground. So uh, let me just make my argument more clear. Mm -hmm. For threats to be efficient, it's an art. It's an art, and you need to take into consideration several factors, including what are possible options for the person who is subject to these threats, what are possible actions, and what is his character as well. And nothing of this was taken into account, apparently. Because speaking about institutional constraints, President Zelensky cannot simply accept those threats because Ukrainian constitution, as it stands, simply says that Ukraine declares as one of its priorities, North Atlantic integration. That's it. It cannot be changed overnight. 
Uh, and uh, apparently, it, uh, President Putin believed that, like in Russia, in Ukraine, everything can be changed overnight just because uh, s- someone wants it. Anton, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, thank you again for having me. Thank you. Anton Olenek is professor of sociology, Memorial University of Newfoundland. I want to apologize. I I just, I misspoke. I do know his last name is... Zelensky. I, I just, I misspoke. My, I was slurring a little bit, but yeah, of course, I know his last name is Lezensky, uh, uh, Lezensky, so I, I apologize for that. Uh, if you do have a, a quick comment, we can probably have time to take a couple of calls on this. 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570. Kyle, go ahead. He said that I guess he, that Russia is not really afraid or not really th- or worried about NATO. Is that what I kind of got from that? There, he said that you know, like you asked them, well, are they a threat? And he said, no, not really. And you know, the reason I, I disagree with that. I mm-hmm. think you know, North, NATO was really made because of the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't follow international relations too closely, but I I do know that Ukraine is not part of NATO. But I've heard that that. Russia is threatened by the fact that they might be coming. One hundred percent, they are. I mean, you're putting. I mean, that's that's like that's like the little brother of uh, Russia. There, that's why they're invading. Uh, Russia's invading Ukraine, is because the Russians or Putin, I should say, thinks that the Ukrainians are ethnically Russian, and that's why he's taking over, and that's why he thinks that they're going to bow down to him. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's the that's the main reason. Like, I don't understand. Like, he goes and says, well, did do you think Zelensky took it softly? It's not just him that took it softly. Look for what's been happening for this, since 2014. We all stood back thinking Putin's not going to do anything. Right. And we're still sitting back and just mm-hmm. letting a war go on. Right. And I understand we don't want a World War Three, but come on. Like, you know, like, you know, we're we're not, we're not exactly um, the West isn't exactly innocent on this either, you know. Like, Zelensky's poking the bear trying to get the West to come in on a war and start a war with Russia, right? So, I mean, it's, it goes both ways. Like, I'm not for what Russia's doing and all that stuff, but I'm seeing it on both sides as, as somebody who's been watching this very closely and has got family in Europe and stuff. And, yeah. you know, when Zelensky's poking the bear and saying, well, let's get NATO involved, let's get this involved, let's do this and that and that, you know, that's causing conflict too. You know, that's not exactly a resolution either. Yeah, and ima- imagine if we end up in a r- war between Russia and the United States or Russia and North America. That could be ugly. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. We have news coming up next with Brittany Ramsey, but get your dialing fingers ready. You can call now if you want. We're taking your calls in the next half hour. Remember those elementary school speeches that we all did? What were yours about? That's all I want to know. 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570, hands-free. What were your elementary school speeches about? I'll tell you mine. You tell me yours. Next on City News 570, Kitchener Today. Welcome back to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Polly in with you until 3 o'clock this afternoon. So every day that I'm in this week, I'm in, I was in Tuesday, 
today and, and tomorrow as well. Why well, do something a little bit lighter at 1.30? A lot of heavy news topics happening in the world these days. So get your dialing fingers ready. There's no guest here, so it's all it, it, it's just you and me. 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570. The question we're asking this half hour, remember those elementary school speeches? Can you remember what any of yours were about? Because Tuesday, of course, at the beginning of the show, we always talk about what day it is. Remember, Brittany? Every day we talk about mm-hmm. what day it is. Yep. Br- Br- Brittany Bordelon joins me. Producer Britt. Oh, thank you for the introduction. Joins me for this half hour. I I, I was sitting there looking at you, but I should introduce you on the radio because it's radio. People can't see it. There's somebody else in the room with me. So Tuesday was International Speech Day. And Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the justification for it was, but that that got me thinking about these speeches that we did in elementary school. Now, I wonder if maybe some people didn't do them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe some school boards did. did, did now, you went to uh, St. James in Guelph, right, mm-hmm. for high school. Did you go to Catholic school before that, like elementary school? Yeah, I went to two different schools. Right, because I did as well. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if this is, a, a, you know, a separate school thing versus a, a, the public board. Maybe everybody, maybe just mm-hmm. a coincidence the way I'm thinking about it. So in elementary school, and at least in my school, grades four through eight, we had to do a speech every year. Mm-hmm. just to practice our public speaking skills. And I, I can't remember how long. It was maybe two or three minutes, and we got to pick the topic. What, mm-hmm. this, give a three-minute yeah. speech on a topic that you're passionate about. Yep. <laughs> and that's what we're asking here today. What were your elementary school speeches about? I'll tell you my first one. Okay. First one in grade four, and I... My, I, wow, you remember all the way back to grade four? It, well, also, they made you do a speech in grade four? Yeah, grades four through eight. Wow, okay. Every, or maybe it was five through eight. Because I only remember four of them. Wait, grade four, five, six, seven, eight. That would be five years, though, wouldn't it? Four to eight? Anyway, I remember four of my speeches. The only one I remember was the, 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 the first one for sure, I know, mm-hmm. was Garfield the Cat. What? Garfield the Cat. Aww. Yeah, because I loved that comic strip, and at the time... And you could just talk about lasagna, too. Well, I'm sure I mentioned that in the speech, because <laughs> Garfield loved lasagna. I can't remember any aspects of the speech, but I do remember I opened with, the opening line was, Garfield is a fat cat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in grade oh, four, my, my, my school speech mm-hmm. was about Garfield the cat because I love the cartoon. Oh, sorry, the, the comic strip. There was mm-hmm. also a cartoon on television mm-hmm. for a little while in the yep. early 90s as well, a Saturday morning cartoon, Garfield and Friends. Mm-hmm. Hilarious show. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're asking you on the phones. What was your elementary school speech about Br- Br- Brittany, what was yours? Okay, I was reluctant. I I said to you, maybe I'm going to make mine up because I don't. I was reluctant. I can only remember the one I did in grade six, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so embarrassing and it's so cringy. But I I went through this phase where I really liked the singer Usher, so okay. I did a whole yeah, three I remember him. minute speech on um on him, and I even opened it with singing an Usher song, which, oh, like, 
I'm so sorry to my grade six classmates. Is that, is that why it was embarrassing? Because there was a singing element to it? Just all of it. Like the topic, the like why? Why of all the things that you like you could be passionate about. I'm passionate about this singer, you know? But like it's, it's, it, but it's not even necessarily about the content. It's Well, it's, it's Polly, about- I sang. Come on. <laughs> but it's not it's, it's not like you're trying to entertain people necessarily. It was about getting comfortable sitting uh, up. It was just, it was a cringy three minutes. Okay, all right. Haunts me to this day. No. I'm really sad that we're talking about it now. Okay. 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570, hands-free. What were your elementary school speech or speeches about if you had to do multiple ones? Mark? Do you remember? I certainly do. It's uh, kind of a funny one. I was a bit of a smartass in grade school, Polly. Yeah. And uh, I didn't prepare or do any homework. So it was my turn to stand up in front of the class. And I said, my speech is on silence. And I just stood there. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. That's genius. Then my teacher in the background said, Mark, that's going to get the marks you're going to get. Silence. Zero. Right. Yeah, obviously, so you would have failed that, right? Like, they wouldn't have accepted a speech on silence and then literally be silence. I just stood there. Yeah. I think that's genius. Were, I can't believe you failed. So, were you trying Gosh, to be way funny? Ahead of this or were, time. You, were you trying to be funny or were you just terrified of no, public speaking I didn't or what? Prepare. I didn't do my homework and I had, I had nothing to. <laughs> I, I came up with nothing. So, that's what I came up with. Oh. <laughs> That is funny. I should have thought of that. Uh, I think that's awesome. Thanks for the call, Mark. (laughs) Oh, boy. And of my four speeches, too, because they had this, everybody in the class had to give a speech. Yeah, yeah. And then you had the class final. I don't Mm -hmm. know how many made it the class final, maybe the top five. Mm -hmm. And then whatever, there were school finals. One oh, of my, my speeches made it to the school final. There were no. regional there were regional finals. I don't even know how far up it went, but one of my speeches Was it the Garfield one? It was not the Garfield oh. one. But one of my speeches made it to the school <laughs> final. I'll, oh I'll, my god. I'll tell you about that in a few moments. But right now we're asking you, your elementary school speeches. What were they about? 519-570-2545 out of town. 1-800-570-5715. Star 570 hands-free. Jose, remember your speeches? I do. I do. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. No, for me, it was uh, baseball. Baseball. Okay, yep. Paint a little picture. uh, Immigrant family. So I came here in grade four. Mm -hmm. And I think it was around grade seven that we started doing. Uh Uh-oh. Are you there, Jose? You cut out. Anyways, oh, there you I are. Went up. Yeah, are we here? Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So, I, you know, here I am, grade seven, three years being a new Canadian, go up there and talk about baseball, and no problem. Sit down, everybody claps, pats on the back, good job. Not think anything of it. Thought I was on top of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And about two, three years ago, we're at a cottage with mutual friends of back in the day. Yeah. And we started talking about speeches. And they were telling me, oh, my God, I never forget your grade seven speech on baseball. Cool. Nobody had a clue of what you said. Nobody had a clue. Nobody could understand me. It was just hilarious that everybody was so polite and clapped. And I had no clue that nobody got my speech. Aww. 
moral of the story is I'm a confident person because of that now. Oh, wow. that's awesome. So you don't Very remember the speech, but others did. I barely remember, and I think whatever they remember, they couldn't understand because of my accent, the heavy accent, right? Right. So anyways, yeah, I thought it was polite of them to keep it to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Aw, that's, that's awesome. Story. Yeah. That's a great story. And it story. gave you confidence. That's so cool. <laughs> Funny thanks, enough. thanks, Jose. Yeah, I look forward to hearing everybody else's. Thank you. Yeah, this. I was wondering how this was going to go because I was searching on Twitter the other day about you know elementary school speech. No one has apparently ever asked this question. <laughs> I'm like, because we, I think we all did them, did we not? I, it, right, I certainly did. I had four mm-hmm. of them. So, all right, to the phones again, Debbie. Remember what your speeches were about? Remember in particular the speech that I did in grade seven. Mm-hmm. It was about what I wanted to do when I grew up. Okay. And I wanted to be a nurse because that summer I had helped my grandmother clean out the chickens and I was fascinated by the lungs and how pink they were. And I thought, oh, I want to be a nurse because then I could see stuff like this. Wow. Wow. So, Debbie, also, did you yeah. end up becoming a nurse? Unfortunately, um, I actually got to go to the school final. Okay. My teacher rewrote my speech. What? That's bogus. Uh She told me that, you know, she she wrote it to the aspect that I could be anything I wanted. I could be a doctor, a Mm. lawyer, or maybe a pilot. And I presented that speech at the school, didn't win, which was fine. But I don't remember doing another speech after that until I joined Toastmasters in 2009. Right, right. Wow. And it was something that, to this day, I still remember, obviously, very strongly. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yes, I actually decided that when I was in university, going to university, I decided, okay, so I can do anything. Maybe I'm going to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, definitely a frustrated not nurse. So <laughs> your teacher rewrote it. She didn't like the nursing thing. She thought you wanted to be a, a, like like a doctor yes. is better than a nurse or yes. something. Yes. Wow. I should set higher higher goals. Shame on Debbie's there's nothing former wrong with teacher. Being, there's nothing wrong with being a nurse. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's a very honorable job. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm a home care provider now, um, but when my kids were uh, younger, I was constantly in hospital with them. Mm -hmm. So it was something where I've always pitched in. If there's been any nursing care with my kids, I've been right there. Aw, amazing. All right. You got close. It hasn't hasn't deferred me totally, but yeah, I would probably have been much happier as a nurse. (laughs) All right. Thanks for the call, Debbie. So it went to the school final, but the teacher rewrote it. So does it really? Do, I, that doesn't sit well with me at all. I don't no, know, like a teacher that's rude. Five one nine five seventy twenty five forty five out of town one eight hundred five seventy fifty seven fifteen, and star five seventy hands free. So my my second speech. I can't remember the order of the other three, but one of them was about the Titanic. What Which really? I'm still interested in yeah. to this day. I'm just interested in the whole mm-hmm. story and and the maiden voyage and why it sank and all the different mm-hmm. theories and you know could the ship have been saved had they tried different maneuvers on on board and things like that. So I've always mm-hmm. been fascinated with it. So one of my speeches was about the Titanic. That's not the one that went to the school final. Wow. I'll, I'll get to I'll get to that one in a moment. 
Let's talk to John Doe. John, do you remember your speeches? Do you know what the term sinister actually means? I have never looked it up. It means left-handed. Okay. My speech was on superstitions. Did you know that it's uh, unlucky to change the direction when you're stirring a, uh, a cake batter or a soup in a, a pot? No. The direction is bad luck. So you're supposed to pick a direction and stick with it? Stick with it all the time. Changing hmm. directions is bad luck. So what can and happen? What the cake can come out all all crunchy or something? Or no, I don't. I don't think it's got anything to do with the cake. I think it's more to do with your life. Huh. Bring you bad luck. But that's what I did my speech on was uh, different superstitions, and some of them were hmm. pretty ridiculous. But uh, can you remember any others? No, that's the only one I remember. Yeah. But uh, a previous caller mentioned Toastmasters. Yeah. I, I was a member of Toastmasters for many, many, many years, and I used to love to compete. Some people don't like to speak in public. I don't have an issue with it. Right. Ah, so, all right. That's, I'd let you know. Th- thanks a lot, John. Yeah, I, I've never heard that superstition. about. You, have you heard that, Brittany, before? No, when I you're haven't. Turning the cake batter, you're only supposed I'm, to... Yeah, okay. I, I was stirring some spaghetti sauce last night, and I... Change directions. Does it count with spaghetti sauce? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to mix things up, you know. Anyway, 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570. Your elementary school speeches, can you remember what at least one of them was about? So far, I've told you about Garfield the Cat <laughs> and the Titanic. <laughs> Donna, go ahead. So I can remember two. The first one was double bubble gum. <laughs> you did like three minutes on bubble gum? Yeah, okay. because you weren't allowed to chew bubble gum in class. Oh, I see where this is going, yeah? Yep, so I got to chew double, bu- double bubble while I was giving a speech and blowing bubbles. That is oh, awesome, awesome, Donna. A, way, a loophole, a gum loophole. Yeah, I got them good. I did okay on that one, but the other one was farts, and I didn't do oh. well on that. <laughs> okay. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to know what was going on during that speech. But that's that, that's almost as good as Mark's speech on silence. You can't chew gum in class, but here's a loophole. I'm going to do a speech on double bubble bubble gum. Tony, go ahead. Uh, yeah, your previous caller was talking about superstitions, he yep. uh, made me remember a speech I did about my dad's band. Uh, my dad had a van that was in shows mm-hmm. back in the 70s, won trophies and whatnot, but uh, the girl I was up against, she did her speech on superstitions, and she happened to come in first place, and I came in second. Oh, uh, no, maybe you should have changed the subject. <laughs> I guess she picked up a little better subject, yeah. Thanks, Tony. The only other one I can ever remember is I did a speech on uh, Captain Cook, Captain James Cook. Okay. As fascinating as I thought it was, everybody else in that room thought it was the most boring speech. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tony. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Who was that? I I, I don't even, I don't know. All right. Your elementary school speeches, what were they about? Let's take one more before the break. Annette, can you remember what one of your speeches was about? Hi, yeah. In grade six, I did my speech on blue jeans and came in, I won for the school. 
And then um, I went up against a whole bunch of other schools. I think I came in second or third. But the funny thing is, I just read about it in my diary the other day. And um, my prize for winning, I won this little travel alarm clock and a $2 bill. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, $2 bill. I might still have one of those as a novelty item somewhere. <laughs> Anyways, it was a highlight of my grade six year. That's very That's cool. Awesome. So you went, to the, you went to the regionals? Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. It was. It was fun. All right. Thanks, Annette. So I'll tell you my third one before we go to the break. And this, this is the one that went to the school final. Okay. UFOs. Oh. I, I'm not as interested in UFOs as I used to be. I'm still mildly interested in the topic. But back in elementary school, I was, I was fascinated yeah. by that. And in the 80s and the 90s, there was this whole UFO fascination mm-hmm. in society. There, there, there was a TV show on every week that just talked about the whole UFO phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, you could go on long, way longer than three minutes. Yeah, on two that. or three minutes, whatever it is. So yeah, the one that went to the school final was the UFO speech. Wow, that I did. that's awesome. What was your elementary school speech about? 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. We're talking about those elementary school speeches that we all had to do. Because Tuesday was National Speech Day. So I got to thinking, remember those speeches we had to do? What was yours about? 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715, and star 570. Justin, do you remember what your speeches were about? Yeah, I... I do, which is which is funny. Um, I wasn't a great student, but, you know, I was one of those students that, you know, a few times a year I would find something and I would zero in on it and I'd just kill it. And the speeches was one of that. And I did a speech on my dog. And <laughs> okay, like, cool. I, I nailed it. <laughs> I, I nailed it. You know and, all about your dog. You're an expert. Well, it was just, it was very entertaining, and and I got, you know, voted to go on and give the speeches elsewhere, but you know what's funny is my teacher wouldn't let me because she said it was too comedic. Oh, okay. Which is very, like, it's one of those things, you know, when it happens at that age, you're just, you just shrug, you're like, okay, whatever, but, you know, you think about it now, and you're like, well, that's kind of silly because... That's what you want is an entertaining speech. Well, that's the whole point of the the exercise is to increase your public speaking skills. And if you have somebody in grade four who is comfortable with it and making like that's what they say in public speaking, you know, start open with a joke. I'm really surprised. It wasn't it wasn't a joke like joke so much. It was just it was just entertaining content. Yeah, yeah, it was just odd. But I mean, it's one of those things you think back to now where you're like, no, I, I nailed that. Even though it was funny, that's what it was supposed to be. Absolutely, you need it. And it, 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 the whole point of the whole exercise is to make you comfortable public speaking. Obviously, you are already that. I don't know why you, they, they look down on that. Jody, do you remember what your speeches were about? Hi. Um, in grade seven or eight, I think it was, uh, could have been said grade six or something like that. Uh, I did my one, of, I tried to do a speech on divorce. And I got started talking about it, and then I just ran to the bathroom because I was, was so upset about my parents getting divorced. Oh, no. And uh, 
and, but I knew my speech sucked so bad, too. <laughs> wow. So it was a combination of feelings, and I ran to the bathroom and cried. Oh, that's, <laughs> you didn't even complete the speech. That's, that's a sad story. Oh, boy. Mary, do you remember? Uh, do you remember? I can't talk today. I'm mumbling. Go, Mary, you do you can. remember your yes, speech? You can. Don't you worry. Listen, um, I'm sorry, but I I can't remember any speeches in <laughs> in, in the lower grades. Okay. But but lo and behold, um, there's a speech that I gave in grade thirteen that is in the yearbook. Okay. I'm totally shocked. Shocked. Were you, you like know, the, the, the head of your class or yeah, something? Were you, the were you the valedictorian? Or? Pardon? Were you the valedictorian? Is that why your speech was in there or what? No, just because it was good. Come and what on. was the speech about? You can do anything you it want if you put what, your mind to the, it? The thing of it was one of the most, con- and we're talking 1962, I'm not a baby, one of the most controversial topics today is the question of grade 13. Mm-hmm. And way back then. They're already discussing about getting rid of it. Right. But it took a long time. But anyway, I'm in there, and um, um, I'm not very much of a public speaker. I'm very shy. I mm-hmm. don't like talking too much. Oh, I don't believe that for a second, Mary. <laughs> so, so I signed up after my second child was born for a Conestoga College course in public speaking. It was six weeks. I think it was $24. And um, unfortunately, I gave my uh, my check in, and then the guy said, "Me, me, you, you, um, a ten minute speech next week." And I thought, "Oh, forget this!" But they wouldn't give me my money back. So, being as cheap as I am, I followed through, and it was a lot of fun. All right, thanks, Mary. <laughs> I wish I wish we can continue these calls. Uh, uh, we, we had Amanda and Sean on the line. Aww. So I'm sorry, Amanda and Sean, we've run out of time, but this was fun. This was a lot of fun. So uh, we've got news coming up next with Paul McPhee and then more Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Polly in with you today on Kitchener Today until 3 o'clock this afternoon. You know, I really enjoyed our previous conversation about those elementary school speeches. I honestly wasn't sure how it was going to go, and the listeners of City News 570 always come through when we ask you to call in, and that's absolutely fantastic. Well, eating is an essential part of human life, and it turns out that not only what we eat, but when we eat can impact our brains, irregular eating times have been shown to contribute to poor mental health, including depression and anxiety, as well as to cardiometabolic diseases and weight gain. That's the beginning of a recent piece in the conversation called When You Eat Matters, How Your Eating Rhythms Impact Your Mental Health. Of course, we think about physical health in terms of what we eat, but it can also have an impact on your mental health. And Elena Koning is a co-writer of that piece and joins us now to discuss it. Elena, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Now, eating, I didn't know this or never really kind of really thought about this, but eating habits can also affect your mood. Yes, yeah, it's very interesting. 
Is this where the term kind of hangry comes from? My wife always tells me I'm hangry, and then after <laughs> I, I eat something, I seem to feel better. Yeah, it definitely is. That's totally where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> now, for, now, for those who have medical conditions like diabetes, I suppose that, that, that eating habits are even more important, right? They are, yeah. So actually research has shown that this is sort of something that should be implemented in the clinical setting. So we should be prescribing sort of like these defined eating times, which is really neat. Now, there's a lot of talk in your piece uh, about the circadian clock or our circadian rhythm. So can, can, can you just kind of uh, give an overview of what that's all about? Definitely, yeah. So as humans on Earth, uh, we're sort of um, subjected to um, different light patterns that happen over the day and night cycles. So this is why we sleep at night and we're awake in the daytime. Um, so that's just one example of, an, of a rhythm, so our sleep-wake rhythm. So eating also sort of follows similar rhythms. Um, so we eat during the day and we sleep at night, and our body uses these clues, sort of like light or food, to sort of tell your internal processes when they should occur, when they should happen. So it sort of primes your digestive or- organs to be ready for food during the day and then your tissues to repair and rest at night. So this just allows us to function optimally as humans. Now, I think I read this right in your piece that our circadian clock can also be affected by our eating habits. Is that right? It can. Yes, it can. Yeah. So different things that you eat also inform the clock. So it's sort of one of these cues that your body gets from the environment to then say, okay, so we're eating right now, so it's daytime. So that's why when people eat late at night, it can really mess up your internal rhythm because your body then thinks, oh, we're eating, so it must be daytime. (laughs) Now, I I guess our our whole body doesn't necessarily go by the same clock. You suggest that our digestive tissues also kind of have their own clock. They do, yeah. So this they sort of differ throughout the day and night in their digestive capacity, so how well they handle food. So your digestive organs are actually completely different in um, their efficiency throughout the day and night. So this is sort of, this is what I was referring to in the fact that they have their own rhythm. So just sort of backs um, the whole idea that you should be eating at regular times of day. So yeah, how can one then sync our eating habits uh, to our body's cycle? Definitely, yeah. So there is some flexibility. So your body will adapt from day to day. Um, But sort of um, the general idea is that you should be eating within a 10-hour window during the day and then trying not to eat sort of too close to bedtime. So within the three-hour window close to when you go to sleep, your melatonin levels will rise, and that's sort of your body saying, okay, it's time to get ready for sleep when we repair and and, um, sort of repair tissues throughout the body and we're not focused on taking in energy. So, yeah, so I would say personally to limit your eating to 10-hour 10 hours during the day and then try not to eat three hours before you go to bed. Now, some people are night owls and some people are morning people. Does this change anything with our eating habits? Should night owls be eating dinner maybe at like eight or nine o'clock? There is actually, yeah, it's quite neat. There is some sort of individual variability between humans, but in general, you should try not to eat three hours before you go to bed and then keep it to the 10-hour window during the day. So, yeah, if someone's more prone to be sort of like a night owl, they're up later at night, maybe then they won't start eating until a bit later in the morning, if you see what I mean. Now, no matter whether we're a night owl or a morning person or whatever, we should still be eating at the same time every day. Is that right? Yes, it is. So your body sort of gets used to the times that you eat. So anybody notices sort of like 
Um, this is similar to the concept of jet lag. So you sleep at regular times, right? But then if you change your time zone, it can completely mess you up. You feel fatigued, dizzy, nauseous even sometimes. So, yeah, it all comes down to that. So you made reference to, I mean, eating from, generally, you said 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., keeping all of your meals within that that window. That optimizes brain function as well? It, it does, yeah. So that is just one example of, like, an eating window that you could do. You could also do, like, 10 to 8 or 11 to 9, um, but as long as you're not getting too close to when you go to bed. That was just sort of, like, an example of a window. Now, is there any truth that if you eat too close to bed that that is makes someone prone to weight gain? I've always heard that. Is, is that true? It, yes, it is actually true. So, like I was saying before, as your melatonin rises at um, close to when you're supposed to go to bed, your body sort of switches to um, using the food that you've eaten during the day to storing. So your body is sort of in a state of wanting to store all of its energy. So if you're eating close to when you go to bed, it's more likely to be stored as fat and therefore causes increased weight gain. And this is not just about when you eat, but also what you eat is very important. Is that right? It is, yeah. So it's all about balance, obviously. Just like people um, sort of indulge in desserts here and there, it's okay if your um, eating rhythms aren't completely solid every single day. Um, It's just about what you do most of the time. So just like it's important to eat vegetables on a regular basis, it's also important to make sure you're eating routinely and in a regular time window. Elena, thanks very, much, uh, th- thanks very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. Elena Koning is a Ph.D. student, Center for Neuroscience Studies at Queen's University, and she is the co-writer of a piece in the conversation recently called When You Eat Matters, How Your Eating Rhythms Impact Your Health. If you do have a comment on this, always love to hear from you, 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715 and star 570, hands free. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. All that balance, obviously, just like people um, sort of indulge in desserts here and there. It's okay if your um, eating rhythms aren't completely solid every single day. Um, It's just about what you do most of the time. So just like it's important to eat vegetables on a regular basis, it's also important to make sure you're eating routinely and in a regular time window. Thanks to our guest, Elena Koning. She's a PhD student at the Center for Neuroscience Studies at Queen's University. She's the co-writer of a recent piece in the conversation, When You Eat Matters, How Your Eating Rhythms Impact your mental health. 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570, hands free. Mary, go ahead. Gosh, I'm number one. Um, You are number one, Mary. (laughs) Well, I'm number one to my husband. That's a good deal. (laughs) That's all that matters, yeah. Yeah. However, um, this is a very complex um, thing. It's easy, and I'm not negating what the lady said, um, but in our present um, way of life, economy, whatever you want to call it, there are shifts involved. Mm-hmm. And um, there is, uh, you discussed it, um, the, I forget, there's three different shifts and that the people have to do. Uh, this affects their cortisol level. And they want to eat at a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, uh, okay, I've got a nurse 
couple nurses in my life. Uh, two days, 12 hours, and you never get home in 12 hours. And then two nights, 12 hours, usually 14. Um, your body doesn't know what's going on. If you sleep you too cannot, long? Pardon? If you sleep too long, you're saying? I said your body uh, does not right. know what's going on. Right. So you've had a, a, four, a 14, 15 hour, two days, and then you, the next day you got two 14, 15 hour nights. Right. So your body is in, um, it, it's mixed up. And a lot of people, I'm not saying all, but they tend to put on weight because of the um, cortisol and the um, circadian rhythm. Rhythm. Right. It's okay if you're on, um, you know, eight to four, nine to five. I'm thinking of your your lady that comes in early, and I can't think of her name. What's her name? Uh, on your early show. Oh, Lisa Drew. Yeah, Lisa Drew. Yeah. Now think of that. She's got a. She's probably has to get up in about what four in the morning. Um, she's here at four in the morning because the morning yeah, show well, starts so at five. So, so look she... at her. Look at her life. Yeah. So she. She's got to figure it out, and um, like, it's not as easy as you think. And let's be honest, Polly. Um, let's just say after a high, hard day, and you're relaxing in the evening, you like to snack. Mm-hmm. You do, and it's just a natural thing. Yeah. Usually, we work out um, before or after, uh, also through the day. But this is not as easy as one can uh, think. And thank you very much, and have a great day. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, it's, I, our guest was saying, I mean, it's important to keep a constant schedule, even, you know, whether you're a, a morning person or a night owl, it, it, you know, it's important to, to you know, keep the same schedule every day. And, and again, maybe maybe night owls eat dinner at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, whereas opposed to, you know, morning people who might be going to bed at, at 9 or 10 at night should be eating dinner, you know, maybe around, you know, 5 or Six o'clock. You know, I, I I worked morning radio. I worked morning radio for what three years, three or four years, and I, I was getting up at you know one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, and stumbled into the station around three, and the, the program went to the air at five. And it it you know I, I always have been you know a morning person. I remember even when I was a even when I was a kid, I was up at six thirty, seven in the morning to watch cartoons, and it was never an issue for me. But after doing that morning show for three or four years and getting up at two o'clock in the morning, I, I, even today, e- even on a weekend, I'm still up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. You know, because I, I think getting up so early for those few years actually shifted my circadian rhythm back just a little bit. And again, I don't mind getting up early in the morning. I like getting up early in the morning watching the sunrise, but uh, it's it's tough getting up early in the morning, but it was a lot of fun. And the cool thing is you're done work by, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, and you got the rest of the day to do whatever you need to do. Now, also keep in mind, because you got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you're usually ready for a nap. So don't think, oh, you morning people, you're done at 10, and then you got the rest of the day. Hypothetically, you do, but you need an afternoon nap because, remember, you were up when everybody else was sleeping. 
So it's, it, it, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> uh, so this, speaking of food, and of course it's uh, St. Patrick's Day today. So Krispy Kreme. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the closest one we have, I believe, is in Mississauga. Remember we used to have a Krispy Kreme here in Waterloo Region? It was on uh, Ottawa Street, now where the Fireside Grill is now. Fireside Grill, by the way, makes a you know some great uh, some great Greek salad and gyro. Anyway, I digress. So Krispy Kreme is offering some St. Patrick's Day treats for fans wearing green. Krispy Kreme has announced that St. Patrick's Day celebration with the rollout of four new donuts. Now, <laughs> our previous guest is not going to like that because I'm sure we're going to you know should eat healthy. Because Krispy Kreme is donuts, but four new donuts for their so-called St. Patrick's Day collection. They're available now at participating locations and come in a custom green box. (laughs) They're the Lenny Leprechaun Donut, which is a glazed donut with green and black icing decorated like a leprechaun with buttercream and a fondant hat. Okay. <laughs> the Luck of the Rainbow Donut, an original glaze that is dipped in green icing and green sparkles, then topped off with buttercream and a sugar piece rainbow. Hmm. Uh, St. Patrick's Shamrock Donut, a donut filled with original cream and dipped in white icing and topped with a shamrock sparkle blend. And finally... The green iced with sprinkles donut, an original glaze that's dipped in green icing and topped with a St. Patrick's sprinkle blend. They're also bringing back their original, and the way this is spelled, of course, with the you know the the Irish O, the original glazed donut, which is a green dyed version of their original glazed. And anyone who dresses in green on St. Patrick's Day can get a free O original glazed donut in shop, pickup, or drive-thru. And no purchase is necessary. I always get a kick out of those, you know, those contests. They'll, they'll say, well, you know, no, no purchase necessary. Well, how, how am I supposed to get the, the item? You know, sometimes they'll give away, a, you know, a T-shirt and a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a six-pack of beer or something, no purchase necessary. Well, how how do I get the T-shirt if I don't buy the beer? I guess maybe you could write in, you know, and say I would, I would like the the T-shirt. Maybe that's how that works, you know, or, you know, the roll up the rim. I think they'll say no purchase necessary. So can I just go through the drive-thru and ask for a cup? Of course, everything's digital now, right? They, you actually don't literally roll the rim anymore, which is, I don't know, I understand. I, I, maybe I guess they did it because of um, you know COVID, and you don't want to you know spread germs or whatever. But I, I I do miss actually rolling the rim. And you know I've done various radio shows over the years. I used to always when roll up the rim started, I would always come in and uh, just you know as a as a cheesy little bit, I would roll up the rim live on the air. <laughs> I, maybe that was of, of no one's amusement except me, but anyway. We have Tony on the line. Go ahead, Tony. Hello, Tony. Hi. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, back to your uh, question about um, 
No purchase necessary. Yeah. I know that uh, if you go into the beer store and you see a case of beer with a prize in it, uh-huh. there's a number on the case of beer that you can call and they will send you the prize. Oh, all right. I, I, I thought maybe that's how it worked. Yeah, I think the reason why they do that is because it's biased against people who don't drink beer. Yeah, yeah you know what? That's a solid point, Tony. I never quite thought yeah. of that. Okay, I just thought I'd uh, add that. All right, cool. Thanks a lot for the call. Yeah, I guess it's because some people don't drink for, for, for various reasons, and they don't want to be biased towards people who otherwise wouldn't be able to buy the product, but maybe they want the want the T-shirt. Although it's, I mean, I guess depending on the reason that you don't drink, maybe it's a moral thing or whatever. I don't know. The, the, would the T-shirt have the beer logo on it? It probably would. But anyway. Hmm. All right. Well, the more you know. We have news coming up next with Brittany Ramsey and then an interesting announcement last week by the Kitchener Public Library. They are bringing back vinyl. Yes, at one of the branches, and we'll find out which one, you can actually sign out vinyl records. There's a small set of vinyl records. Maybe that'll grow. We'll ask them about that. But uh, kind of a neat idea that you can now rent vinyl records at the Kitchener Public Library. And there's an interesting little side story to that as well. Uh, it's kind of, you know, kind of what kick-started this, what got it started. So that's coming up next after the news here on City News on Kit- uh, uh, Kitchener. <laughs> I cannot speak today. <laughs> this is Kitchener Today on City News 570. Welcome back to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Polly in with you for another half hour. Well, if you still have a record player at home, you could find some new tunes to spin at the main branch of the Kitchener Public Library. Yeah, the, the Kitchener Library is bringing back vinyl. Now, bringing back vinyl. We're going to find out more about that with our guest, Mary Chevreau. She is CEO of the Kitchener Public Library. We also have with us Janice Calusi, and she is mother of uh, Peyton Calusi. We'll find out why she's on the line as well. There's a there's, there's an interesting wrinkle to this vinyl collection. Uh, Mary and Janice, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Hi, thank you for having us. Now, Mary, how many... T- First of all, when were... Are these titles available now? They are. They're available as of Monday. We have a wonderful, what we call our starter collection. It's quite an eclectic collection of albums, about 170 uh, recordings right now that are available um, today. And this really goes to show that, you know, libraries are, you know, they're expanding. It's, it's, libraries are more than just books, and I think a lot of people still think that it's only books. So this is a, this is a really, uh, and it's an idea that, you know, libraries are expanding beyond just the traditional means. Yes, you know, we've been on this uh, path, uh, I think, for many years, that we are definitely not just about books, although books are still an important element, and I think people uh, love to come in and, and uh 
take out a print uh, book, but we are all about literacy in all forms. So whether it's digital, whether it's music, whether it's uh, you know coding, you name it. Uh, skates, we uh, you know have a skate lending program. We have a musical instrument lending program. So this is uh, sort of the next, uh, I guess. Uh, uh, initiative that we launched on Monday to provide the community with um, a really fine collection of vinyl recordings. Now, now, the Kitchener Public Library, I think, used to have a vinyl collection back in the 90s. Do you know why that was discontinued? Well, it's so interesting. We had quite a large collection, actually, in the 90s. But like everything, it sort of fell out of fashion. Uh, with the digital world, I think with uh, CDs and other formats, uh, the vinyl collection just wasn't as popular. So, so a decision was made um, by previous uh, leadership that uh, we would retire that collection. And of course, as you know, uh, vinyl is alive and well, and in fact is, is really, I think, experiencing quite a renaissance uh, uh, with many people. Yeah, any any theories as to why that is? Is it just nostalgia, why vinyl is coming back, you think? I think it's partly nostalgia. I think it's also partly that audiophiles out there really appreciate the, the sound and the tone uh, from, a, from a vinyl record that you don't get uh, necessarily in a, any other format. So uh, I think it's a combination. I know... Uh, just on a personal level, um, my husband has a large collection in boxes, and we've moved them multiple times in our lives. They've never come out of the boxes, so now we are we're digging into them again. He never he never uh, 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 threw them out, so I think many people are like that. But there is definitely a, a new and renewed interest in in vinyl, and plus, you know, you get cover jackets, you get notes, you get beautiful artwork. You don't get all of that uh, in, a, in other formats. Now, can people take these home, or are they only for in-house use? It's a circulating collection, so people can take them home. They can listen to them here as well, but they can also take them home. Are there any plans to add to the collection? Absolutely. This is just our starter collection, and we will continue to add like any other collection as we go along. And can people, like, make donations if they have records that they no longer use themselves but think might be interesting as part of this collection? You know, Paul, we get that question a lot. I think it goes back to the boxes of uh, albums that people have had, you know, it's, since their youth. And uh, usually their partners, uh, actually, who are saying, can we donate this box of records that I've moved now six times? Uh, but not right now. Uh, we are not taking uh, donations for albums. Okay. And this is just at the main branch of the library. What about other locations in, uh, expanding this idea? Is that in the works, maybe? It, it is in the works, uh, and and uh, we'll certainly uh, be uh, following that, and we'll provide more information to our community as we expand this collection. So also on the line with us is Jenny uh, Janice Calusi. She is mother of uh, Peyton Calusi and Janice, h- how is your um, son's legacy, or uh, you know, h- how is he tied in with this vinyl collection? Well, um, Peyton was an employee here at the library as well for uh, three and a half years, and in uh, November of 2020, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer, and he passed away three weeks later. Mm-hmm. And so he was very interested in the Hefter Studio yep. and the things they offered. 
and he also was very much involved with music. He loved music, all, all types of music. Right. And um, when he when he passed, there was a a large number of friends and family that donated to the library mm-hmm. in memory of him. We directed it to the Hepburn Studio, and the staff of the studio felt it best represented him with a vinyl collection. Tell us about the Hefner studio. I've only been in there once, but uh, it, it seemed like a pretty cool place. Yeah, the Hefner studio is um, uh, a really interesting place. It uh, was something that was community-led, meaning that uh, they, there wasn't a Hefner studio a few years ago, um, and uh, we uh, realized that there was, a, I think, a great interest in uh, the creative side of arts, particularly music and film. And so we uh, went to the community, and the community um, um, raised, uh, helped us raise the money to design a, a, a near-professional studio. It's actually three different studios, a big production studio, two smaller mixing studios. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of instruments, um, high-end uh, digital recording gear, um, and it's, uh, it's uh, a, true, a true studio. Uh, now, Janice, t- do you want to talk about your son, Peyton? What was he like? And if you don't, if you don't want to, that's fine, too. Um, he was a good kid. He, was, he just had his 19th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he graduated high school. He got three-quarters of the way through his first semester of college. Uh, when COVID hit, and that really sort of stunted the opportunity there for school for him because he mm-hmm. wasn't an online learner. Um, but yeah, he spent a lot of his time listening to music. Um, ask anybody, he always had headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, when COVID, his hair grew long and he could wear little earbuds and nobody saw them. <laughs> um, but he was always tuned into some level of music. Um, was- listening. He played guitar in high school. What were some of his favorite bands? Uh, he loved Billie Eilish, mm-hmm. um, Green Day. Um, and then his favorite soundtrack is from the movie Baby Driver. Okay. It uh, has a big variety of songs on right. it. Are, are these records his at all? Or this, was this a financial donation that was made to the library to make this happen? It was a financial donation. Okay. Uh, Mary and Janice, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Paul. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Mary Chevreau is CEO of the Kitchener Public Library, and Janice Calusi is mother of Peyton Calusi, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but in his memory, uh, this vinyl collection is being brought back. Is in The Kitchener Public Library did have a vinyl collection back in in the 90s and just you know with with vinyl falling out of out of favor they decided to get rid of it but in 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 memory of peyton this vinyl collection has been brought back it sounds like an interesting idea i i I might go check it out i don't have a a a record player or a turntable as some of the cool people say at home but i believe they do the kitchen public library does have a turntable or a record player uh 
there. So I listened to some of these records there. You know, I never, I, I should have asked what, uh, what some of the titles were that were available. Why didn't I think of that until now? There are, there are currently 177 titles that you can rent at the Kitchener Public Library. So the, the, the very, very cool idea. I m- might have to check it out. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. We are all about literacy in all forms, whether it's digital, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, coding, you name it. Uh, skates, we, uh, you know, have a skate lending program. We have a musical instrument lending program. So this is sort of the next initiative that we launched on Monday to provide the community with a really fine collection of vinyl recordings. Our guests, Mary Chevreau, CEO of the Kitchener Public Library, and Janice Calusi, mother of Peyton Calusi, to which this record collection, now available at the Kitchener Public Library main branch, is made possible. So, very cool. Gary, go ahead. Hey, Polly. Uh, I just want to say, first off, to all the guys listening out there, go get your boys tested. Yeah. You do not need anybody else to die from that. Yeah, of course. Um, I think this is a great idea. I still have six crates of albums of my own. Yeah. Um, and that was a special treat. Like every Saturday, we look forward to the going down to the records on wheels and flipping through albums for hours on end. And uh, I think why people love uh, albums so much, I think it's analogous to guitar amplifiers. Okay. Uh, whereas, like, a tube amp is nice, warm-sounding, like an album, mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, like an analog format, and, uh, um, like, a di- like, a, uh, di- like, the digital format of CDs and that is more like transistor amp, you know, yeah. it's more choppy, and so, I, I don't know, I think that's personal uh, preference, of course, would be albums, just yeah. since I've grown up with them for, you know, all my life. Well, can you remember what your first album was, Gary? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you bought that many you can't remember, huh? No, I have no idea. Probably something from The Who, I would think. Mm-hmm. Still my favorite band, so. Great. All right, cool. Thanks, Gary. You know, I, I have a, a soft spot for the, the whole analog thing as well, especially with, with television, you know, because everything went digital, you know, HD back in, I don't know, maybe... 2003, 2004 is when it really started to take off. But I I really like watching some of the old TV shows from the 80s and 90s. They just, they have a different feel. I mean, the, the aspect ratio is different. I don't even think it's about the aspect ratio. It's just about the the technology. You know, everything was was filmed digital, uh, sorry, on, on analog. It was on film. It has a a softer feel. It doesn't. It, it wasn't. The picture wasn't totally sharp all the time, and I, I kind of like that. And looking back at some of those those old television shows with the just the technology, so I, I do kind of like the analog stuff as well. Mark, go ahead. Hi, Polly. Yeah, I think that's a great concept. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I've got about three hundred albums myself, dating yeah. way back. I'm glad I kept them. And but you missed out on the biggest question, Polly. You didn't ask her what they had. Yeah, I know. I I I thought of that after I hung up. I, I just I failed you as an interviewer, Mark. I'm okay, sorry. Yeah, I, well, I was waiting for that one. Yeah, I I I don't know why it didn't occur to me. 
And as soon as I hung up, I'm like, is I should have asked. Kitchener Library? The kitchen, the main branch of the Kitchener Public Library. Yeah, they have 177. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, maybe it's on the website. You know, because you can you can reserve a book on the website. Maybe they have a list of records right on the website that you can reserve, and you can see the list that way. Thanks, Polly. Uh, do you remember what your first album was, Mark? Oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, I'm like the other caller. I can't remember. Now. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mark. Tom, go Thank ahead. You. I have a great memory. Okay, yep. Uh, when I went to uh, high school with the Kitchener Library because I was interested in uh, science fiction, so mm-hmm. I read, every, we didn't have that many science fiction books. Yeah. So we read every one, and it's a great memory. You read every science fiction book at the library? Yep. How long yeah, did it take you to do that? 10, 15, let's say. But there was only 10 or 15? Yeah. Is it, was, this, was this locally, or is this a small town library? No, no, this is the uh, the Kitchener Lobby. Oh, okay. I, I so, thought maybe there would be more than 15 science fiction books. Now. Now there are, but you're yeah. going back many years, but I suppose. we have some good memories. Yeah. That, that's Thanks. very cool, Tom. Thanks a lot. Sean, go ahead. Hi. Yeah, I can, I can re- remember when the CDs first came in and how they were going on about how they were supposed to be extra clean and... Mm-hmm sound really great and everything and we were never going to use records again and i mean at first it was great because you didn't have to worry about things like wow flutter rumble stuff yeah. like that popping cool. yeah yeah well but i i think people miss the little imperfections in all honesty yeah because digital is just way too clean so oh and by the way i still remember the very first album i ever bought yeah 1973 nazareth loud and proud okay cool <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Sean. Okay. Yeah, this vinyl is making a comeback. In fact, in my in my pile of stuff here, and I, somewhere in the pile of stuff, I there, I have a story about. I think it was last year, CD sales because we we, we know that the, that that vinyl sales have been increasing over the last ten to fifteen years. People are nostalgic. CD sales. I think are also on the rise for the first time. I, th- I think they've actually beaten out vinyl for the first time in a couple of years. And interestingly enough, cassettes are also. I mean, there's 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 very few cassettes out there right now, right? But of the ones that are out there, people are also buying cassettes for that nostalgic feel. Although cassettes tend to wear down after time because of the the whole tape technology. I, I don't think that happens with vinyl. Maybe a little bit, but not quite as much. Hugh, go ahead. Hi, how are you, Polly? Good. i just like to say uh, I like uh, uh, vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any anymore. I gave them all to my children. Mm-hmm. They bought a, a new record player, so you can still get them. Yep. And that one woman that was on who lost her son, I felt so bad. That was, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. That that took, that was a, yeah, that was a very sad story. Yes, it was. And uh, you're doing a great job, and uh, so was uh, uh, Brittany. Get her to do uh, some uh, piano solos again. <laughs> her air piano, yeah. Every, um, every Friday when we did Free Phones Friday the theme music that we had going for that. 
she would always do her, her, her air piano, the, that song by Eberson Lake and Palmer, which, by the way, I uh, plug, plug, I am with you tomorrow, of course, being Friday, and we will be doing free phones Friday tomorrow from 2 to 3 p.m. Ian McLean from the KW Chamber of Commerce has been hosting the last couple of Fridays, and his style is more of interviewing people. And that's cool. I mean, everybody has their own style. I love talking to the listeners. That's always been my favorite part of talk radio. When they, when they, t- I mean, interviews are great. They can be informative, but I always like hearing what the uh, the average person has to say. And so you'll get your opportunity tomorrow from two to three p.m. as as Free Phones Friday returns, at least for just one day, because I'm hosting. So we'll see what we'll see what happens going forward. But, uh, yeah, Free Phones Friday tomorrow from 2 to 3. Get your dialing fingers ready. Now, speaking of music, did you hear about Rod Stewart? (laughs) They lurk under the puddles and hide where asphalt once was. No matter their size, potholes are not only a pain, but but can be a serious safety hazard. Sir Roderick David Stewart, better known by his fans as Rod Stewart, is taking the matter into his own hands, tired of dealing with these asphalt craters. The UK rocker has swapped his microphone for a shovel in a crusade to conquer the vexing potholes near his Essex estate. The 77-year-old spike-haired singer posted photos recently on his Instagram of himself dressed in a yellow safety vest filling in several potholes on his street with a shovel. He says, quote, I'm repairing the street where I live because no one else can be bothered to do it. Close quote. (laughs) Stewart said in a video, the second video, Stewart explains that the roads, quote, have been like this for ages. Close quote. And that the deep potholes were becoming a difficult obstacle for his fancy low-to-the-ground Ferrari. And that's great. Rod Stewart can afford a Ferrari. That's 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 great. Nothing against that. The uh, he says, "quote The other day there was an ambulance with a burst tire. My Ferrari can't go through there at all. So me and the boys thought it would come to do it ourselves. So Rod Stewart fixing some potholes in his neighborhood now." My wife, Marnie, is is that enough, Marnie, now for you to to like Rod Stewart? What do you think of that? (laughs) My wife cannot stand Rod Stewart. I think he's pretty cool. I like him a lot, but my wife absolutely cannot stand him. So, yeah, Rod Stewart fills in potholes because, quote, no one else can be bothered to do it. Well, this is the end of another edition of Kitchener Today. I am your host, producer, Polly. Again, tomorrow from 2 to 3 p.m., Free Phones Friday returns for one day only. So get your dialing fingers ready. Get your thoughts ready on what you want to talk about. It's 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 been an interesting show. We started off talking about the uh, the regional council vote mask bylaw and, and maybe you want to comment on that tomorrow on free phones friday how are you feeling heading in 
to Monday. And then at uh, 1 o'clock, why Vladimir Putin, I cannot talk today. I don't know what my problem is. <laughs> why Vladimir Putin is bo- is botching his Ukrainian invasion. At one thirty, we had a little bit of fun with what was your elementary school speech about? And I'm, I'm really glad that people called on that. I wasn't sure how that was going to go over because it's, it's something we all kind of forgotten about. <laughs> so hopefully I was uh, bringing back some, some positive memories there. And at two o'clock, when you eat matters, how your eating rhythms impact your mental health. And of course, now at 2.30, we talked about the Kitchener Public Library. They are bringing back vinyl at their central library location, 177 vinyl titles now available for you to check out as part of your library membership. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570.